Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. today and what I will be proposing in the future will make a lot of people uncomfortable and I don't care. A change of tune from San Francisco's mayor. We will redirect 120 million dollars from law enforcement. London Breed joins the growing number of leaders who once wanted to defund the police now making a big pivot. It's time that the reign of criminals who are destroying our city, it is time for it to come to an end. And it comes to an end when we take the steps to be more aggressive with law enforcement. That's that's hilarious. So what I'm about to say is going to offend some of you. I bet not even a quarter of your own constituency has a problem with cracking down on this crime. People are so misled by their own bubbles or Twitter or something. The mayor of San Francisco thinking she's really stepping into it by deciding to start arresting people who smash windows and steal stuff. God, I'm glad she's going the right direction, though. Yeah, San Franciscans to the point where they leave the windows down and their trunks open to avoid their car being ripped apart. The smash and grabs have become so, or, or you, whatever you want to call them, car, car breaking, so so common, rich, poor, you know, left or right. You're just going to be a victim of crime. And people are sick of it. You know, she's an interesting person. I don't believe she's completely nuts. She occasionally shows signs of sanity. And when the facts changed, her opinions change. And I, you know, Nothing wrong with that. I, you have to respect that. Although this is a woman who last year, in the wake of the whole George Floyd thing, vowed to cut nine figures, $120 million, something like that, from the police budget. I mean, she was way out front um and the uh, sheriff's department and sac pd were begging her don't do this dude this is incredibly dangerous we can barely handle the crime already but because the progressive far left was demanding it she went ahead and did it and at the time and i'm not saying this to pat ourselves on the back i mean it's like predicting that an egg falling from 15 feet is going to crack when it hits the pavement we predicted there's going to be an explosion of crime in san francisco this is an awful move it's terrible and sure enough sure enough well at least she has the sense to say this isn't working there's too much crime she's actually right. announced several initiatives which we'll describe in a second or two but i'd like to clip 30 michael it comes to an end when we take the steps to be more aggressive with law enforcement, more aggressive with the changes in our policies, and less tolerant of all the bull that has destroyed our city. Yeah, that's uh, you sound like a Republican or a conservative, but you're you're right regardless. Um, and she sounds like she means it. She doesn't sound like she. Well, I I don't know which was the pandering. I think maybe the whole defund the police, we're going to let this go, was the pandering part. And this is more of the, yeah, I get it. This is insane. I get it part. Yeah, I don't I don't know how old she is. Um, she grew up in the hood. She strikes me as fairly young for a mayor. She grew up in the hood. I think one of her siblings is dead of a drug overdose. The other's uh, in prison for armed robbery. Um, she rose up through the ranks. I She's think black. At, uh, yeah, I think at heart she is a realist. 
But especially young people, people caught up in the vortex of politics as progressive as San Francisco's, uh, she started to believe stuff that was just crazy. The, yeah, it's the hard woke to say. nonsense. Always a guess with politicians what is just going with uh, the what's going to get you elected and what they actually believe. But, you know, uh, not to get too stuck on racial stuff, generally across the country, it's the black politicians in the black neighborhoods, generally, that have been saying, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? Defund the police. I mean, you just saw Eric Adams get elected in New York, one of the bluest cities in America, by saying, we're going to crack down on this crap. It's the college master's degree white people that are doing all this BS. It'll look like the suburbs if we get rid of the police crap. So I'm not I think sure she might have... be closer. Go, Go ahead. ahead. I think she might be closer now to what she really believes than what she was before. I wonder, I wonder, I've got a great example of what you're talking about, an egg-headed college study about uh, defunding the police and the rest of it. It's it's astonishing. It's as if it came off or it came out the day after George Floyd and, and nobody's had any time to sober up and think about it. It's just idiotic from a major American university. So stay tuned for that. But I want to stick with this for the moment. Uh, back to Claudia Cowan of Fox News doing a report on this uh, last night. 33, Michael. The new norm of 30 smash-and-grab robberies each day in San Francisco. Tough. Larceny thefts jumping 18% from last year. Assaults up 10% and a 15% increase in homicides. By the way, something, something you ought to know. The number of people, the percentage of people who call the cops when they are a victim of crime has plunged because there's so much and they know nothing will happen. The number of people arrested when the people do call the cops has plunged because there aren't enough cops and they've been told don't bother and the cops know there will be no prosecution. When the cops do respond and arrest and and hand the case over to the DA, the percentage of those cases that the DAs are prosecuting has plunged because of the Marxist way left policies of various big city prosecutors we've been talking about for the last several days. So if you hear crime is actually down in some cities, reports are barely up at all. That's because of those things I'm talking about. It's skyrocketing, but people have become so beaten down, they don't bother to call. So you think a number like 30 smash and grabs a day, which is horrifying, is way low. I know if you if I got my car broken into San Francisco right now, I wouldn't call the cops. I'd just think, ah, crap. You know, call my insurance company and get my window fixed. Yeah, yeah. And and there's more. And this is a good sign. I mean, I can't resist saying I told you so. But all of a sudden, the left are changing their tune. One more from Claudia Cowan, uh, 34, Michael. Oakland's mayor is also having a change of heart, now asking Governor Gavin Newsom for more state police presence and license plate readers. This is all just moving deck furniture on the Titanic. Some say the about face won't mean anything if criminals don't have to pay a price. What it's going to take is real prosecution. You need the police department to have the confidence that if they make arrests, that there's going to be accountability on the other side of their efforts. Yeah, Libby Schaff, the mayor of Oakland, is practically a member of the Weather Underground. She's so far left. So if she's saying to the state, hey, send a bunch of state cops here, please, you know people are, are waking up to the idiocy of their, their policies. Whoever that was at the end, though, is absolutely right. You can decide, all right, we got to get tough on crime. But if you don't lock these people up, it's a tiny percentage of people that commit crimes. But they do it over and over and over again unless they're in freaking jail. So you got to right. lock them up. 
Right. So uh, a couple more notes about San Francisco, just real briefly. And I just read something. Well, where did I read that? It was a really, I guess it was a Twitter thread. Uh, there's this gal whose whose child died of a fentanyl overdose. Um, oh, that's right. It was in the New York Post. I'll have to find that. And has found uh, founded an organization with similar people and uh, some journalists and some law enforcement people. They've begun a program of petitioning cities, shut down the open air drug markets. Stop pretending like it's okay. It's just people getting a little high. San Francisco had more than triple the number of people die of overdoses as COVID. More than triple. How much talk do you hear about COVID compared to overdoses? You know, especially folks in the Bay Area. It's just unbelievable. So on Tuesday, San Francisco PD's Tenderloin Station account, uh, Twitter account, posted information on police activity in the neighborhood over the past week, including the seizure of nearly a kilo of, kilo of drugs, the arrest of 17 suspect drug dealers. The Tenderloin crackdown on the open-air drug markets is so overdue and such a good thing. The other three movements were securing emergency police funding for needed resources, amending surveillance ordinances so law enforcement can interrupt crime in real time and disrupting the illegal street sales of stolen goods. Holy crap, if San Francisco's woken up, there's hope. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got to be happy when people change their mind if they're changing their mind toward your direction. You can't, uh, you know, can't belabor the whole being wrong in the first place, I suppose. Yeah, as I've said many times, when you call your dog and it comes to you, don't kick it. Armstrong and Getty. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. Are you tired of gulping down the lying filth of the mainstream media? Yeah, we are, too. We try to tell you the truth every single day. Gulping down lying filth. Wow. Nobody wants to sound dumb. Our goal is to help you not sound dumb. We'll inform you, and it'll be fun at the same time. You have to choose between entertainment and information. Combine them both with the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Four episodes available every day via the iHeartRadio app or wherever you download your podcasts. So the headline we've been hitting you with all day long is Woman Caught Breastfeeding Her Hairless Cat on a Delta Flight. Here are the details. I think I've heard them. You've heard a lot of them. Woman plane took a delta flight recently breast when she whipped out her when she whipped out her breasts and started feeding breastfeeding her hairless cat Hmm. the unidentified female was flying from syracuse to atlanta where she was caught breastfeeding her feline on the plane never trust a syracusan the fact that it's a hairless cat does add to the story yeah in that in that you'd glance over and think oh the woman's breastfeeding her baby and you'd quickly glance away so as not to be you know uh, uh, nosy or, or or a perv or whatever but then you think you know that was a weird looking kid and you grab would, one more quick look and... i would never stare at a woman breastfeeding a baby i would absolutely stare at a woman breastfeeding a cat oh yeah yeah i'm standing up i'm taking a picture <laughs> masking questions i'm gonna pose with you for a selfie a flight attendant told her repeatedly to stop and put her cat back in its cage. Stop breastfeeding your hairless cat. Repeatedly, I like. So the next time she comes back and says, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I've asked you once. You did? Oh, this cat. Oh, <laughs> breastfeeding the cat. You want me to stop that? Oh, okay. <laughs> I misunderstood you. <laughs> repeatedly. Uh, a photo was found on Reddit and posted on Twitter by somebody who had seen this happening. 
A uh, message was sent through the aircraft communication addressing a report system, ACARS. That's where you usually report, you know, I think we got a terrorist on board or whatever. In this case, it was to alert the Delta crew in Atlanta that a passenger in, cer- in, in seat 13A is, quote, breastfeeding a cat and will not put the cat back in its carrier. <laughs> wow. The cat's still hungry. Give me a minute. <laughs> oh, jeez. Then I got to burp it. God, doesn't, well, must have been a kitten, right? Um... I, I don't know. The flight attendant talked to Newsweek and said the woman had one of those like hairless cats swaddled up in a blanket so it looked like a baby. Her shirt was up and she was trying to get the cat to latch and she wouldn't put the cat back in the carrier and getting it to latch. Uh, yeah, women, we all know this. Uh, dads, we, you know, we've, we've, it can be a challenge. It can be a challenge. And the cat, don't cats have teeth like needles and claws. Yeah. Uh, the cat was screaming for its life, it says. So that was the real disturbance. Wow. Wait a minute. So. Was this woman like, I'd assume that she like breastfed the cat routinely. It sounds like she was forcing the cat to try to bre- breastfeed on her. Wow, that's full on loopy. Um, Delta's red coat team apprehended the woman once they got to the ground. Red coats are the elite airport customer service experts. <laughs> who are probably not trained in this. They're especially trained to handle on the stop customer issues. Okay, well, probably not this one. I'm sorry, I wasn't trained in hairless cat breastfeeding women. We got a 14C. We got a 14C on Delta 1433. (laughs) Delta, of course, felt like they needed to put out a statement because this is the year 2021, (laughs) and that's the way these things work. Oh, I can't wait. This is great. The airline's website outlines its policies of breastfeeding. Delta fully supports a woman's right to breastfeed on board Delta and Delta Connection aircraft and in Delta facilities. Breast pumps are allowed on board, and at the airport, if you prefer, many airports do offer private lact- lactation rooms or spaces. So they don't want to run And pet areas, but not both. <laughs> you can't combine the not two. Not at the same time. What am I'm I not a cat. Time? I'm here live. <laughs> <laughs> I guess What's this ca- woman's life like at home? Hey, Michael, play the harp. We take you to the breastfeeding cat lady's home. Ding dong. Hey, honey, can you get the door? Can't. I'm breastfeeding the cat. Okay. I'm, I'm breast, on it. I'm breastfeeding mittens. <laughs> You're what now? Sonny, <laughs> it's, it's a little off-putting. Can we just give it cat food like other cats? <laughs> really likes the breast milk. Really enjoys it. Why is she lactating? She didn't give birth to the cat. She must have had a baby <laughs> earlier. Ah, uh, Yeah. So that's a question. That is a question. I um, have many questions. Uh, final question on this. Uh, so yes. I, I would. Uh, it must have been because the cat was screaming and making noise that they had a problem. Because otherwise, I'm I'm a flight attendant. I see that and it's quiet. I'm just I'm shaking my head and just letting it happen. It's not bothering anybody. Nobody's noticing. Whatever weirdo cat breastfeed lady. He is like a little baby. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she had a kid in the cat carrier. Would you like me to bring you anything to drink, you psychopath? <laughs> wow. Wow, that's odd behavior. I say, holy crap. Trying to force the cat to latch? Cats scream? The cat's <laughs> thinking, I'm a cat, you're a human, this is weird. Wow, what I'm a not a show. cat. I'm here live. <laughs> Sir. You're not helping. Uh, long-time listeners of the Armstrong and Getty Show, you may quibble on this. Is this the lowest brow thing we've ever done in the history of our show? Oh, no. 
We have for you now. That's saying something. I know. That's what I was saying. Long-time listeners, you'll have to debate amongst yourselves in whatever those chat rooms are that you get into. Um, we have the loudest burp on record. The loudest burp record has been broken for the first time in over a decade. So somebody, I could beat it. Somebody's just saying, I could beat it. Somebody burped 10 years ago so loud that nobody has even come close to it since then. But just the other day, in the year 2021, a dude in Australia unleashed this. decibel burp from a guy in Australia who downed like 10 fosters in a row. Oh, that's a a good way to uh, get ready. That is an excellent way to get ready. (laughs) Again, I could beat it. I'm not going to because I'm a, a, a refined gentleman. All right. And I haven't been drinking beer. That's, uh, yeah. He said he picked up the skill at age six. The skill of burping? I think you picked that up earlier than that. I've had, I've raised babies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But burping loudly. Thing on, to say. Burping loudly on command, he means. Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> the previous record was 109 decibels, so he beat it by quite a bit. I hope he doesn't get COVID because he'll be imprisoned in Australia if he gets it. That's some highbrow entertainment right there. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. But resist, we must. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I wanted to hit you with this. John McWhorter, who's a, a linguist and a scientist and a writer and a thinker, he's a black man. Um, he's uh, one of the brilliant contrarians in the modern era, along with Thomas Sowell and Jason Riley and uh, Jason Whitlock and so many people. But he was writing about the removal of that giant boulder at the University of Wisconsin that we talked about when it happened a few weeks ago. And I just wanted to read you some of what he wrote because it's just brilliant and it's great. The University of Wisconsin had a, has apparently done black people a favor. It lifted away a rock. It was a big one, 42 tons, and at least some black students thought it was a symbol of bigotry. Because you see, 96 years ago, when the rock was placed where it was until just now, someone in a local newspaper called it, brace yourself, a blanker head. That didn't settle in as a permanently nasty local monitor for the rock. In fact, it was never said again. It was just something some cigar-chomping scribbler wrote in 1925. But still, the Wisconsin Black Student Union, making one of the de- kinds of demands that such groups started pushing with the special fervor last year, insisted that the rock had to be taken away with the backing of the school's indigenous student organization. News reports say the rock had troubled students over the decades. Some saw it as a racist monument, as one put it, whose absence now allows them to begin healing. I should probably point out to you that the title of his piece is The Performative Anti-Racism of Black Students at the U of Wisconsin. Anyway, he says, the students are fashioning their take on the rock as a kind of sophistication or higher awareness. But what they are really demanding is that we all dumb ourselves down. The idea, it would seem, is that there is no difference between the past and the present. And that what some writer said one day during the Coolidge administration would be hurtful to a student walking past the rock while texting last month. And that this rock is representative of racism in the same way that a Confederate statue is representative of Southern racism. Racism. So apparently the passage of time is an illusion? 
Uh, and uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, to have uh, someone insist on taking away a rock because of what someone called it a century ago is performance. And a crude performance at that. The students essentially demanded that an irrational, pre-scientific kind of fear that a person can be meaningfully injured by the dead be accepted as insight. They implied that the rock's denotation of racism, if it exists at all, is akin to a Confederate statue's denotation of the same, neglecting the glaringly obvious matter of degree here. As in, imagine pulling down a statue upon finding that this person memorialized had uttered a single racist thing once in his or her life. I like that. He actually brings out, what about the question of degree? Mm. And it's not all the same. We're to pretend that these students are engaged in something they call critique. Interesting, though, that the root of the word originally referred to making distinctions, as does the root of the word of science and knowledge. These students are implying that instead of uh, instead of that, on race matters, the advanced way is to resist distinguishing. Then he goes into some beautiful writing, but it's a little long. How can the same people who lustily insist that black people are strong get behind having a rock removed from their sight because something, uh, some boob wrote about it some 100 years ago? If the presence of that rock actually makes people desperately uncomfortable, they need counseling. And as such, we can be quite sure that these students were acting. Few can miss there's a performative aspect in the claim that college campuses, perhaps the most diligently anti-racism spaces on the planet, are seething with bigotry. The Wisconsin Rock episode was a textbook demonstration of the difference between sincere activism and play acting. Yeah, I out don't, of a desire to join the civil rights struggle. But do you think that they know they're performing, or are they so caught up into it they don't even really realize that they're putting on a performance? I, I think that's an excellent question. I think it depends on who you're talking about, but I realize your question is pointing out some people so convince themselves that they are scared and shocked and the fact that a boob a hundred years ago called the, the rock a bad name that's actually hurtful and dangerous to them. They convince themselves of that, but it is a psychopathy. Uh, blah, blah, blah. The true fault here lies with the school's administration, whose deer tails popped up as they bolted into the forest out of a fear of going against the commandments of what we today call anti-racism, which apparently includes treating black people as simpletons and thinking of it as reckoning. True wokeness would have been to awaken to the tricky but urgent civic responsibility of, when necessary, calling out black people on nonsense. Yes, even black people can be wrong writes John McWhorter. Wow. As the black professor Randall Kennedy of Harvard Law puts it in his upcoming uh, Say It Out Loud, blacks too have flaws, sometimes glaringly so. Now, these weaknesses may be the consequence of racist mistreatment, but they are weaknesses nonetheless. To pretend this is never the case where racism is concerned is to not reckon, but to dehumanize. And he goes on at some length. Uh, we'll post this for you at armstrongandgetty.com so you can read it yourself. But I appreciate him having the courage to stand up and stay, say the obvious. Also, as a fan of metaphors, I absolutely love the sentence. The school's administration, whose deer tails popped up as they bolted yeah. into the forest. Yeah. What a great mental image. Thank you, John McWhorter. So it's interesting bring up bring up the bathroom thing. That reminds me. So over the weekend, I needed a new pair of jeans. My favorite pair of jeans... The crotch ripped out in, like a big Burr. hole ripped out in the crotch. And it was pointed out to me by someone, hey, there's a giant hole in your crotch. Oh, boy. And, I mean, you could, I mean, it was like three inches in diameter. And I mean, and you could see, like, you know, right to my underwear and part of my leg. 
I was going to say, I'm assuming and praying you were wearing some sort of undergarment. So I really like these jeans. So actually, over the weekend... Or was your schwanz just hanging out? <laughs> so when I, so so over the weekend, I bought a sewing kit at CVS. Nice. And I, and I sewed up the hole in my jeans. Wow, old school. Way to go. But apparently, I didn't use thick enough thread because I'm going to uh, uh, the hospital to visit someone. And I get in my car and I lift my leg up to get up in my truck and it rips open the hole again. Ah! And I was on, I was at the hospital and I, so I ended up walking into the hospital with this big hole in my pants and I had to stand in such a way or sit in such a way that you wouldn't be looking like right at my leg and my underwear. Cause oh yeah, I think I could get arrested for some sort of exposing yourself sex crime. The pants were. So then I'm at a mall and, uh, I decide I need a new pair of jeans and, uh, and God, there's nothing worse than like buying clothes at the mall. And but you, you got to try them on because Levi's quality control, as I've mentioned, is so crappy that if you buy three pairs of thirty-three, thirty-fours, which is what I wear, one of them will be so tight you can't get them on. One of them, two of us could fit in, and the other one will be just right, all exactly wow. the same size. That's how bad wow. their quality control is. So I go to the uh, fitting room. And uh, there's a line like, because most of the fitting rooms are closed because of COVID, which is stupid. There's only one fitting room open, and there's a line of like 50 guys there. And I thought, I'm wait, not wait, wait, this. isn't that like the opposite of what you should do to avoid the spread of a disease? Everybody's going to go in the same small room <laughs> to prevent COVID. <laughs> ah, boy. What the bleep? I know, it's all stupid. Anyway, so I decided I'm going to go upstairs to the women's department and see if there's not a line there, because I just want to try in these pants and get the hell out of yeah, here. Yeah, and hang out in the dressing room, Your Honor. That's and why I was... As I'm going up the uh, escalator, I'm thinking to myself, are fitting rooms men and women only, or are they open for everybody? I wasn't even exactly sure, because some stores' fitting rooms are for everybody. But some stores they aren't. Anyway, I got right. up, I got upstairs here. I think it was a, well. I won't say the name of the store. I get upstairs and I say, "Can I use this fitting room?" And she says, "That's for women only." And I thought, and I didn't get in the argument. I thought, so we have restrooms probably in this store that say male or female on them because you don't want to run afoul of the transgender people. So right. I could go into the women's restroom and show my wiener to to women, maybe even underage women in this right. restroom. But I can't try in a pair of jeans alone in a closet in this female. I just thought this we, we, we live in a crazy world. It is crazy. We live in a crazy world. It's stupid. The idea is you just shut up and go along. You do what you're told. The and, ID uh, logs will control ye. It's impossible to find a restroom. So my, uh, my, my son has to use the restroom a lot. And uh, so we need restrooms when we're out and about and a lot. It's impossible to find a public restroom. Two reasons. One, COVID. A lot of them are closed for COVID. And two, ever since Starbucks got sued by that, uh, you know, the gentlemen that were there that they thought were homeless or whatever, and then they got sued for being racist, so many businesses have closed down their restrooms now. It's almost impossible to use a restroom in public anymore. That's the society we've crafted. Well, luckily in California, you could go on the street. Yeah, that's funny. And My it, son brought that up the other day. He said, because we saw a homeless camp that was just trash everywhere he said how come the homeless people don't have the same rules for trash that we have <laughs> that's a very good question i said yeah if i yeah, litter it's no against kidding. the law you know got to keep your yard a certain way blah all these different things homeless people they can do whatever the hell they want anywhere they can have dogs off leash they can have garbage toxins environmentalists sure. don't care doesn't make any difference
Yeah. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. I forewarned you. Let's go, Brandon. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I always wanted to be in the Guinness Book of World Records. I always wanted to set some sort of record, and I tried a whole bunch of different things as a kid. I never considered this one. Who can yodel the fastest while smoking a cigarette and playing the accordion? That is a very specific niche skill. Because you Did got you somebody say smoking a cigarette. Because there's probably somebody who can yodel really fast while playing the accordion, but doesn't smoke, or somebody right. who smokes and plays the accordion but has never yodeled in their life. You I really think need, it's stupid. You <laughs> who wants yodeling? You really need the triple threat of fast yodeling while smoking a cigarette and playing the accordion. <laughs> Is that little pause where he took a hit of the cancer stick? <laughs> you know you shouldn't smoke because every cigarette takes seven minutes off your completely pointless life. <laughs> of annoying people with your yodeling. That's some fast damn yodeling, though. I'll give yes, that. it is. And according to playing. Yeah. Why not add yeah. in smoking, he thought to himself. You know, you're right, he thought back. You know, I wish I could play the accordion, but that would take a lot of work. If you could play any musical instrument, what would you play? If you could play any? The guitar. <laughs> um, uh, anybody who's seen me knows what I mean. Ah, uh, Gosh, that's an interesting question. I'd have to contemplate that. An accordion would be up there. Although, if you can play keyboards oh, really? in general, you got a big start. I was at the music store the other day, got my son uh, um, uh Four-string little guitar. Ukulele. Uh, got my son a ukulele and the uh, young woman helping me out there at the music store. It's still a mom-and-pop music store that still survives somehow. Mostly through lessons. Because everybody buys everything online now, but they survive through lessons. Um, yeah. I asked her, I said, what's your musical instrument of choice? Expecting to hear piano, saxophone, maybe violin. She was Asian. Um, she said, the harp. I said, the harp? Oh. Like, like the big, you know, like... Gladys, come on, Gladys. She said, yeah, that's her instrument. I said, what's a decent harp cost if I just want to get a decent started on harping? What's it going to cost? And (laughs) she said, probably 12. As opposed to harping on the staff. (laughs) She said 12 to 15 grand. I thought, wow, that's a pretty high level uh, barrier of entry. If your kid says, hey, dad, dad, I want to play the harp. Anything for you, son. Nothing would make me prouder, son. <laughs> so, like, a student harp is going to be five figures? Oh, I took her word or for maybe, it. Maybe you can get a cheap, crappy one for, like, eight grand. I'll bet, I'll bet it's got to be pretty good, because that's a lot of long strings. you got to keep perfectly in tune. Otherwise, it would sound like crap, all those different strings against each other if it was out of tune. Imagine keeping that thing in tune. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we actually had a friend. It's a shame we've lost touch with them because they're really nice people, but we moved and they moved and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but the, the gal was a harpist. And, and you know, I saw a corner. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I saw a harp in the corner of the living room. I said, wow, you got a harp. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I play it's hard it. not to say that. Well, yeah. And she said, yeah. I said, go ahead. Pick me a little uh, tune here, would you? And she uh, unleashed on that thing, and it was a holy crap moment. She was really good. Well, does she only play the dream sound effect, Gladys? 
was considerably wider than Gladys's. No offense, Gladys. Is there anything other than this on the harp? I'm not sure I've ever heard anything yes, other than that on the harp. of course there is. Of course there is. It's an exquisite instrument. Lovely. Hmm. Many strings. There's something working her hands back and forth independently of each other. Just craziness. I'd never plucking picked... Plucking and muting, muting and plucking. I'd never picked up a ukulele before. That's kind of a fun little dealio. We're going to spend some time on that. Because there's only four strings, it's pretty easy to figure out the chords. Most songs are three chords long, so yeah, you can do a lot of songs. Oh yeah, you get started in a hurry. So we got a text about their daughter dressing provocatively. How did we end up on that topic earlier in the show? I don't remember. Well, we we were talking about it a few days ago, and, and a gal wrote us an email that I thought was so good, I just kind of kept it around until I found the chance to share it. She said, essentially, what she taught her daughter, and it's similar to what I taught my two daughters, was that you don't walk down the street, particularly in a questionable part of town, wearing lots of expensive jewelry and obviously carrying cash, because bad people, unscrupulous people, easily tempted people will uh, you will get their attention. And so it's just best not to. And the same can be said of dressing in a sexually provocative way within reason. You know, I'm not a member of the friggin' Taliban over here, but you do not want to gain the attention of someone who cannot be trusted, or you don't want to provoke a sexual response in somebody who can't control themselves. It's a dangerous game. Well, you know, there are... There are those that believe, and I, my research throughout my life leads this to be true a lot of the time, based on my own personal research. A lot of times when people dress that way, it is an invitation for that kind of conversation or, or, uh, or, um, you know, making it clear that I'm, I'm interested in this sort of activity. That is right. More often than not, I would say in my life, that has been the case. Right. But naive activist types believe that, therefore, they can dress any way they want, and and including in a very sexually provocative way. But because good, decent manners and behavior, and, and certainly women's rights say, nobody should make an assumption or touch them or, or, or offend them or whatever. And that's unquestionably true. It's just not realistic, because we're talking about people who are predatorial, who have no self-control, who are just are bad people maybe they're just immature but it just well, again I, but this is the difference between the ideological and the realistic we're dancing around in a category where it could get us into trouble right here but am i right or wrong that throughout human history up until fairly recently dressing a certain way as a woman was an announcement to males that i am looking for a mate or at least a temporary mate hasn't that I'm always sexually been, available, in ha, short. Hasn't yeah. that been what that message is from dressing like that? Yeah. Always, up until fairly recently, and now we're supposed to... Right. Maybe we have. I don't know. We got this uh, text from a mom. I've told my daughter, don't bait the hook if you're not going to fish. <laughs> I like those kind of things. I've sayings. heard that one, too. Yeah. I was at... Uh, I was somewhere the other day, and uh, there were a couple of high school girls there, and I thought, oh, my God, why are you dressed that way? And then I kind of thought for a while, I'm, gl- I'm glad I don't have to figure out how to deal with this. I know you dealt with it, but I, I have two boys. I don't have two girls. I, I don't know what I would do if my daughters wanted to dress like that. I think it's a terrible idea to be a 16-year-old girl and dress the way the girls these girls were. But other people have different opinions on that. Well, yeah, and speaking of things that are universal and timeless, kids want to be grown up. 
And they want to look grown up. They want to project being grown up. And, 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 you know, you could write books on this sentence. One way girls want to look womanly is to be sexy. It just is. It's again. It's universal. It's constant. Well, I mean, you're not leaving the house in that is a saying that goes back three thousand years. I'm sure it does. These particular girls, and I'm guessing they were fifteen, sixteen. These particular girls, if they were dressed like that at thirty, you wouldn't think. While you look grown up, you'd think you're looking for some action. Yeah, that's yeah. what a lot of guys you can think, and I realize that a lot of you think that's awful that anybody would think that based on how someone is dressed. All right. Again, realism versus academic ideological fantasy land. Huh. But, you know, as, as a father of daughters, you can't, uh, in my opinion, you can't indulge that academic fantasy. You have to help them understand how the real world works and, and what the dangers are. Of course, the Taliban thinks that you can't even have a cover over your face with your eyes showing. You need to have the little thing over your eyeballs so nobody even sees your eyeballs. Right. So. That's would be that's Looney Tunes. That's Looney Tunes, and uh, well, it is completely Looney Tunes. 